I'd like to take a moment to let you all know about a new nonprofit organization started by my brother Craig. It's called Treats and Truth. They fill oversized brown lunch bags with snack items, chips, crackers, popcorn, cookies, etc. Also, a bottle of water, toothbrush, toothpaste, sanitary wipes, and most importantly, a small gospel tract book of John. No cigar? I'll have to talk to him about that. The bags are then hand-delivered to the homeless and people in need in and around the Los Angeles area. Let's help get this ministry off the ground. They're a 501c3 tax-exempt organization, so any and all donations are tax-deductible and greatly appreciated. Visit their website at treatsandtruth.org. Check out the show notes for the link. Also, please follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you. Welcome to episode 132 of the Burning Bush Podcast, where we share the message of the Bible while enjoying a good cigar. Hope you're doing well, and I'm glad you've joined me. Today, we're reading the New Testament book of Mark, chapter 5, with commentary from the notes in the Charles Spurgeon Study Bible, and I'm smoking the Agonorsa Leaf Rare Leaf Reserve Maduro in the Toro 6x54 Vitola. And these aren't listed on the Agonorsa website right now, so let's go to smokein.com and see what they have to say. In 2021, Agonorsa Leaf expanded their Tobacco Adjectives series with the aptly named Rare Leaf Reserve Cigar, which focused on unique tobaccos from select lots on Agonorsa's best farms throughout Nicaragua. Due to the limited quantities of such leaves, the cigars were only made available through Agonorsa's top retail accounts, allowing for regular availability of what was, for all intents and purposes, a limited edition caliber cigar. Two years after the Rare Leaf's debut, and plenty of requests from fans, Agonorsa showca- showcased the yin to the original cigar's yang with the Rare Leaf Reserve Maduro cigar. Donning similar boxes and bands, the Maduro swaps the brick red look of the original cigar for a sleek black appearance. Like the 2021 release, the cigars are jam-packed with rare tobaccos from Agonorsa's best harvests, focusing primarily on fields throughout Esteli and Jalapa, as seen in the filler and double binder. But the similarities end here as the Agonorsa Leaf Rare Leaf Reserve Maduro swaps the cafe wrapper of the original for a dark Mexican San Andres Maduro leaf, offering a familiar experience with a darker twist. The Agonorsa Leaf Rare Leaf Reserve Maduro cigar is deep and complex, offering long-lasting flavor with a newfound grit on the palate. Expect a medium, full body and bold flavors of earth, chocolate graham cracker, cinnamon, and dark Mexican spices throughout the retrohale. 
and the country of origin is Nicaraguan. Strength is medium to full, and again, the wrapper is Mexican San Andres. And the Vitolas are the Robusto, five and a quarter by 52, the Toro, six by 54, and the Torpedo, six and a quarter by 52. That is the Agonorsa Rare Leaf Maduro. So let's go ahead and get back into this week's reading of the book of Mark, chapter 5. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, the ESV, and verse 1 reads, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit. And Spurgeon comments on verse 2, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs. Those ancient graveyards were in remote places, for the people were too wise to bury their dead inside their cities. Often the tombs were hewn in caverns in the sides of hills and rocks where the dead were laid. Every person who touched a tomb was thereby ceremonially, ceremonially defiled, so the tombs were fit places for an unclean person possessed by an unclean spirit. And back to Mark, verse 3. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. And Spurgeon comments on verses 3 and 4. No one was able to restrain him any more, not even with a chain. No one was strong enough to subdue him. See how the world deals with furiously guilty people. It tries to fetter them or to tame them, to keep them in check by fear of punishment, or to subdue them to a gentleness of morality. Christ neither binds nor tames. He changes and renews. Continuing in Mark verse 5, Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. And Spurgeon comments on verse 12, The demons begged him, Send us to the pigs. It is clear from this narrative that the demons knew Jesus was the Son of the Most High God and that he had absolute power to do with them whatever he pleased. 
It is also clear that they believed in prayer and that they were all agreed in what they asked of him. And it is significant that Jesus granted their request. And back to Mark verse 13. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. And Spurgeon says on verse 13, So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The devil cannot enter even a pig without Christ's permission, so he cannot tempt us without our Lord's permission. We may rest assured that even this great monster of evil is under Christ's control. He cannot bother us unless Jesus gives him permission. And continuing in Mark verse 14, The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And Spurgeon comments on verse 17. Then they began to beg him to leave their region. Here is a second prayer in which many united, a foolish and wicked prayer. Yet the Savior did as these people wished. He would not force his company on those who wanted him to go. So he at once turned his face to the boat that he might leave their region. And back to Mark, verse 18. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And Spurgeon says on verse 18 and 19, The man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. This is the third prayer in this chapter. Not like the two previous ones, it was the passionate request of one who was so grateful for what Jesus had done for him that he longed to be always with him. Yet it was not granted because Jesus saw that the man could serve him better by bearing testimony to the great things the Lord had done for him among those who knew him. And how he has had mercy on you. That is one of the chief points on which we ought always to speak. Not only to tell of the greatness of the change that the grace of God has worked in us, but especially to testify to the mercy of God towards us. And back to Mark verse 20. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And Spurgeon comments on, verses, uh, on verse 22, 
One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. It was an unusual thing for a ruler of the synagogue to be at Jesus' feet. Yet that is the best place for us all. If God had placed any of us in an eminent position, it will do us well to fall at Jesus' feet as Jairus did. What brought Jairus there? It was his great need, and that is what will bring us there. And then he also comments on verse 23. My little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. Oh, that we all prayed thus for our little daughters and our little sons. There is sin in them, and sin means spiritual death. And back to Mark verse 25. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And Spurgeon comments on verses 25 through 28. A woman suffering from bleeding for twelve years came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, If I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. The child of Jairus had been twelve years living, and this woman had been twelve years dying. So if Christ could heal the woman who had been twelve years dying, he could raise the child who had been twelve years living. Although Jairus seemed strong in faith, he was not really so. He put the best side of his faith forward, while this woman, who was strong in faith, yet coming behind Christ and touching him, as it were, by stealth, put the worst side of her faith forward. We have known this to be the case in others. Some who seem to be strong in faith are none too strong, and some who seem to be weak in faith are much stronger than they seem. And back to Mark verse 29. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And Spurgeon says about verse 35, People came from the synagogue leader's house and said, Your daughter is dead. This ruler of the synagogue was on the brink of getting the blessing he sought, and then the worst news came to him. It may be that just now some of us who have seemed to receive the sentence of death to all our hopes, yet we are on the verge of getting the blessing. And back to Mark verse 36. But overhearing what they said, 
Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. And Spurgeon comments on verse 40, He put them all outside. That was the best way to answer the scorners. It is no good arguing with people who can cry or laugh to order or on command. And back to uh, Mark verse 41. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. And Spurgeon comments on verse 43, Give her something to eat. When life is given or restored, the next thing needed is nourishment. When anyone is made spiritually alive, he or she should be sure to attend a soul-feeding ministry and diligently read the Word of God that he may get all necessary nourishment for his soul out of it. And that's the end of today's reading in the book of Mark. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the Charles Spurgeon Study Bible, as well as today's cigar. Also, Groundworks Ministries for daily Bible studies and devotionals. Treats and Truth Ministry, where you can get involved in helping to spread the gospel to and be a blessing to the homeless. And the Burning Bush Merchandise Store, where you can pick up some items to help spread the word about the show. And if you know anyone who needs to hear this, please let them know about the podcast and help share the message of the Bible, the hope we have in Yeshua Messiah, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to contact me, you can email me at steve at theburningbushpodcast.com, which is linked in the show notes as well. So until next time, have a great day, have a great cigar, and God bless.